Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to Unpacking It, where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're hanging in there with everything going on. We want to continue to be a place that that you can come and, and enjoy some encouraging, inspiring content that will ultimately point you toward Jesus. And, and so today's episode is a really cool conversation with a guy in the middle of the NFL draft. His expertise is on small schools and then under-the-radar draft prospects. And, and so we're going to talk all about that. He ended up starting his own website. It's called NFLDraftDiamonds.com. His name is Damon Talbot. And before we get to him, let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to HealthMarketGenius.com. Know your options. HealthMarketGenius.com. Support them as they support us. So this this NFLDraftDiamonds.com is a great website if you want to, to really learn about some different players that are you know, D3, D2, maybe it used to be one AA when I was at App State, so I asked him about that. But some of those players that, that are really talented players, but you don't see them on ESPN every week in the SEC or on you know CBS, SEC, all, all those big-time games, marquee games. And let's face it, every year in the NFL, guys go undrafted and then contribute on their teams. And, and coming up on our next podcast, you'll hear from Mark Herzlick, who was an undrafted player who ended up having a seven-year career in the NFL. And so those types of guys become, you know, Pro Bowlers, Super Bowl winners, Hall of Famers that, that maybe went to a smaller school that got overlooked maybe because of an injury or whatever reason. So anyway, Damon comes on to share about how he started his, his website, but then also we're going to get into his spiritual journey and, and how he uh, began following Jesus and his passion for Jesus and it's just so cool to hear. And, and I'm, I'm, again, just reminded of God's goodness and, and his power and the way that he brings us to himself in different ways. And, and then also in hearing Damon's story, there, there's just, you know, there's different paths and there's also different ways that, that we worship. There are different ways that uh, God uses people and their gifts and, and, and their unique personalities and, and so all of that kind of factors into uh, Damon's story. And, and I think each of us, you know, we have to tap into how God has designed us and, and how he uniquely gives us gifts to encourage others and to point others toward him uh, as well. And, and so I think you'll, you'll really uh, appreciate uh, Damon's story. And he's, so he's got kind of this scout background, but he actually doesn't want to become an NFL scout. So he'll, he'll talk about that. And he's still a law enforcement officer. 
And so he's, he's got a heart for guys in prison. And so, again, each of us kind of can have our own heart toward reaching a certain group of people. Because for me, I want to be around sports fans and I want to you know, minister to sports fans, encourage sports fans, inspire sports fans. That's what I feel called to do. And, and so I love hearing Damon uh, and, and his approach to, to wanting to reach those that, that are in, in prison. And, and so you'll hear about that as well. So let's jump right in. Here is Damon Talbot, the owner, the founder, the, the small school scout from NFLDraftDiamonds.com. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. And joining us right now, the owner of NFLDraftDiamonds.com, Damon Talbot. Damon, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? I'm doing great, Bryce. How are you? Um, I'm doing awesome. And, and as a, an NFL fan, I, I can't wait for the draft. And with so many other things being canceled, at least we have the draft. But, but first up, how are you doing? How, how's your family doing uh, during this uncertain time? We're doing great. You know, everything's going well. It seems like it's a, it's interesting how, you know, I work for the government as well. I'm a federal law enforcement officer. So the, the different things that they're doing, um, for precautionary measures is, is interesting. It's, it's definitely a, a strange time. Wow. Well, how is that affecting your day job then? Well, I mean, we're just getting our temperature taken every day when we come into work. It's, it's more safety and security um, measures that they're taking for, especially when we work around inmates and stuff like that. So you have to make sure that you, everything's, you know, you're healthy going in there because you don't want to infect anybody in there. Wow. That, absolutely. Wow. So you got a, you got a lot going on right now. And, and of course, uh, with your, your focus also uh, being on the NFL draft and, and there is a level of excitement, but also we know it's going to be different this year. So what are you kind of anticipating and, and what are you maybe concerned about regarding the, the format that we're, we're forced to deal with this year? Well, I think I think everybody's really worried about the the security of the the computers. You know, we've been hacked and seen hacks different different times, whether it be for the NFL website or different things like that. And a lot of these guys getting in there, I think a lot of the GMs and the and the most of the scouts, it's going to be really weird because they're not going to be able to be together. So what you're what you're focused and what you're going to see is you're going to have a lot of scouts that are going to be maybe scared to stand on the table like they would in recent years. Um, before when you have an area scout, just give you a breakdown, you have an area scout, he goes out to an area. So like, let's say you have a scout that goes out to Charlotte and he's looking at the linebacker, Alex Highsmith from UNC Charlotte. And he looks at him and he likes him and he says, wow, you know, I really like this kid, but he's an area scout, but the team's from California to get that kid looked at and to be viewed by multiple people from that organization Either, number one, they're going to want to bring him into the facility. Mm. Number two, they're going to want to at least see him. Yep. Thankfully, he had an all-star game that he was able to go to. But if he didn't have that, he would be affected in that nature. So mm. let's just say, for example, he didn't have an all-star game. Now how do you get your GM and everybody to watch film on this kid to see him up close and personally? You can't because of the coronavirus is stopping everything. So what you're going to have is you're going to have a lot of scouts that are area scouts that are going to be scared to stand on the table for somebody that they haven't had other people vouching for. So you may see a lot of local kids from your team. Your your teams might start drafting more local kids near the end of the rounds because they know them. They've been in there. They've seen them. Multiple people have been to the games. That might be something that we'll see different this year 
in this draft. Wow. No, it's interesting. And, and I also saw on your site you, you had a, an article about the, kind of the, the need for, for more undrafted players or, or your kind of suggestion that, that teams at the NFL should expand undrafted roster spots or, or free agent spots for camp. Kind of take us into that mentality and why that would be so valuable, especially with, with the situation we're in. Well, you got to remember, there's only three major all-star games. You have the East West Shrine game, the Senior Bowl, and then you have the NFLPA game. If a player does not get invited to them, that's roughly 300 prospects. If a player does not get invited to them or the Combine, then they're basically they're out there. They're just, they're just trying to make it. They're, they're doing YouTube videos and different things like this to try to get their name out there. And there's a lot of small schoolers that fall under the radar. Thankfully, this year there was a, a game called this College Gridiron Showcase that I worked with and helped um, the gentleman in Texas. And we, we had over 200 players there to try to give them more film. Mm. But there are still many players that did not get film. They did not have an all-star game. Maybe they came off an injury and they weren't able to participate. And the pro day was what they were counting on. You look at an example. I'll give you an example. You're from that Carolina region. You look at T. Higgins. T. Higgins had opportunities to do stuff at the Combine and do these different things. T. Higgins waited till his pro day thinking it would be the best for him. And he ended up running a bad time. And he ended up coming off of the draft board. And a lot of teams now are like looking at him as a second-round pick compared to a first-round pick because of his choice. So a lot of these guys, they don't have that choice. They didn't have a choice. So what we what we try to say is NFL should expand the, the rosters to 100 instead of 90 for spring and for, for the beginning phase. And then what you can do is you can add people in instead of um, not paying draft picks because you have to go through the union and the CBA for all that, but – just adding an allotment of money on each team so they can they can sign five player or 10 players at the end of the at the end of the draft extra compared to their normal 90 and then them 10 10 players that just opens it up they're able to bring in guys that maybe they really liked but they didn't have the ability to see them in a pro day didn't have the ability to do these different things that expands it for another 320 players to get an opportunity man i, I love that as, as someone who went to a small school and and also at one point i, I worked uh with an nfl agent who represented guys that, that went undrafted and just to get them an opportunity it, it's so key and and yeah we're, we're still kind of wondering what the offseason will even look like as far as uh otas training camp and, and all that so uh, still a lot of question marks with that, but uh, man, if more guys can get an opportunity, I- I'm all for that. that. That sounds like a great idea. Well, let's go back a little bit and and talk about your website, and it's NFLDraftDiamonds.com, and you started it, uh, I guess, almost seven years ago. So so why did you start it, and what is your mission behind the site? Well, to be honest with you, I start. I started it by picking, I really didn't have a website. I worked for a bunch of different teams and players and companies i did internships for a bunch of people i always wanted to be in the football field and i just i didn't know how to get into it so i worked for people for free for 10 years wow. um i worked for all these different companies to see what they were doing how they were doing it see how i could better better myself without getting compensated um just just as a hobby and um learned how to write learned how to do different things and i took a lot away from everybody and then i said you know maybe one day i'd like to do this on my own well, after getting turned down from about five scouting positions that were free, I didn't understand why I was getting turned down. I knew I had the talent, but I didn't know why they were turning me down. Well, they would say it's the scout writing. You're the scouting reports. You know, you're not you're not doing this right. Or you're not doing that right. And I got turned down by a bunch of people. Well, the director of player personnel for the XFL, Eric Gelko, worked for a company called Optimum Scouting, and he gave me my first shot. 
and he said, "Hey, look, you know, after he denied me, he gave me a shot. He said, "I'll give you a shot, but you're gonna all you're gonna do is look at black colleges, HBCUs." So I took the test, and um, the first year I picked 12 players from the HBCU that nobody knew about, nobody was talking about, and all 12 ended up going to the NFL and making it on rosters. Wow! Guys like Marquette King, guys like Adrian, Adrian Hamilton, and Ryan Davis, and they were they were kids that nobody heard of that made a roster. After about three years of doing that, I realized that uh, I knew what I was doing, even though I don't, may not know how to write a scouting report, or maybe I didn't have training on that, but. When you know talent and you can see it, you understand the game, then someone will find you. So I said, you know what, I took everything that I learned from everybody and I started my own company. My my initial goal was just to help black colleges um, because they're very underscouted. They're very, um, they're, there's not a lot of help coming in there. Um, a lot of schools, like even in South Carolina, you got um, many, you have many in North Carolina. You have so many schools that these kids are just overlooked. And it gets to the point to where, you have to do something to benefit them too and to help them. Well, especially when you look at your Pro Football Hall of Fame and a huge percentage of our Pro Football Hall of Fame came from black colleges. Mm. Your Jerry Rice's, your Walter Payton's are all black college guys. And and you sit there and you think of it, why isn't this being looked at more? So I started off like that and then I realized, you know what, man, who's helping the Division Two guys mm. and the NAIA guys? <laughs> and one thing led to another. Next thing you know, I'm scouting 900 colleges. Wow, 900 colleges. Okay, so I, I have a few questions. So first off, how did you recognize that you had the talent to, to scout and recognize talent and recognize other talent, football talent? And, and, so how, and how do you develop those, those skills as a scout? To be honest with you, I played football my entire life, growing up, playing football, watching football. And it's just something when you watch film, you can see a player that sticks out. Mm. especially at the small school level, you can see the kid that sticks out like a sore thumb. And if you watch two or three games, it's the same kids constantly sticking out. Mm. So what that tells you is that he's on another level. If if they're constantly sticking out, you can watch any game. You can watch a basketball game or a, a baseball game. If you're not there being biased and looking at just one kid like your own, then when you get to that game, you can watch everybody from an unbiased level, and you can just sit there and say, wow, number 13 is really good or number 5 is really good. And then when you write down, you write it down, you go to another game, you're going to find out that maybe number five really wasn't that good. Number 13 that was semi-good is really good. He just didn't have a good game that game. And you can break it down by the end of the year. You'll know who's the best on that team and who's not. And you don't have to look at stats. You can just watch film and you'll see who had the best games, who had the best abilities. And um, then the, then you just start looking at measurements and heights and speed. Are they able to get away, get, create separation, different things like that? It's not technical. It's really something that you just got to focus on. And a lot of people do it, and they, they take bias. They, they, they look at it as, I'm a Clemson fan, and oh my, my the, the best player is Isaiah Simmons. The best player is Isaiah Simmons. And, and that, that's constantly what they beat in their head. And don't get me wrong, he's the best player on Clemson, but – they're not looking at the big picture. There's other talented players that are there, too, that they're not being looked at right. When you can look at the whole picture and just pick out who's the best and, and just write them all down and then just mark stars next to their names of who did really good and giving them from one to four stars, it's pretty easy. And like I said, it's, it's not really a science. It's just if you love the game, you, you can see that. That that's cool. Is there a position that you identify easier than others, or how are you – watching you know every single position every single player to break down how they do stand out how, how, how does that in your mind how does that work well i start on i start on lines like 
you know, you'll have your defensive line. You can watch defensive line and then go to the linebackers and then watch the linebackers and then go to the corners and then safety, secondary. And then you go on offense, you go offensive line, and then you can mark them each single play, but that's too much work, especially when you're breaking down hundreds and hundreds of game film. You'll be able to tell quickly, um, especially on a good game. If you have an offensive tackle going up one of the one of the best pass rushers in the league, and he has ten sacks already, and he he you're going to see after about six or seven plays if that kid can hold his own or if he's going to be abused all game. And and that's something that that it's not really that difficult. But I love kickers. I was a kicker. Oh, oh. So okay. I like I like kickers and punters. That's that's my um, specialty. That's cool. And and what's interesting, I think, for us as the average fan, we just a kicker's good if he makes kicks, but but what do you know as far as being able to break down the uh, potential for a kicker? You know, getting to the next level. Well, where their plant foot's going? Are they leaning when they kick? Are they pulling back? Is their balls going to the left or to the right? It might be just a mechanical issue. It might be just something very rare, just something small. It might be just where you put your plant foot. Are you when you put your plant foot down? Maybe you're putting it to the left and it's not centered. You know, when you're aiming, are you aiming? And the inside of the post, or you on the outside of the post, there's just little things that yeah. you can really do to focus. But you can watch a film of a kicker and just break it down. If if you get a good close-up view of him, you can see what he's doing wrong, especially if you've done it for a while. I, I love it, man. I love breaking down kickers and helping kickers out. So yeah, well, that, that's cool. Well, so you you had this desire to to be a scout. You end up starting this this site, and so you kind of own your own website and business. Do you still have the aspiration to be uh, an NFL scout working for a team, or, or are you satisfied where you're at and what you're doing? I'm going to be honest with you. Um, that's probably the the toughest job that you could ever take. I mean, them guys are on the road every day, uh, seven, eight months of the year. Oh. Their families their families are away from them. They're putting in hours, sleeping in hotels, um, and they do it for minimum money. Um, they're not making owner money. You know, they people associate them. Oh, they work in the NFL like they're making millions. They're not making millions. They're making fifty, sixty thousand dollars. Some of them eighty, hundred. It's not worth it. It's not worth for the 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 pain and the agony of being away from your family like that every day. Mm. To me personally, I've been offered a job. I would not leave what I'm doing right now and try to do it because I know that. It's gonna. My family's gonna take strain from it, and that's not fair to my kids. It's not fair to my wife, you know. So to me, no, that's a, that's a job for young people. That's why you see a lot of scouts are young. They're usually young or divorced because it's it's very difficult to do the job correctly. Because you're gonna have your kids. You're gonna want to be your kids' recital. You're gonna be wanting your kids' football game, and you can't be. And, and that and that's that's rough. Hmm. Man, that uh, no, that that really is, and uh, I, I caught a little bit of the movie the other day uh, with uh, Trouble with the Curve. Uh, what's that movie? Clint Eastwood, the baseball. He's a baseball scout, and same yeah. kind of thing. He was gone all the time, so uh, I think that led us into that that life a little bit, and that's that's on the baseball side. But but so you know, here you are. You're still getting to do you know what scouts do, but you're doing it kind of for yourself, and you've got this unique niche to where you are focused on kind of the diamonds in, in the rough. And so we've got to hear, you know, this year as, as we anticipate the draft in a couple of weeks, who are your top three diamonds for this year's draft? Well, I don't like to give names that uh, people know about. I want people to go and look them up. Um, that's, that's just the style I did. The other day I posted an article on the website about my five biggest diamonds, and my five biggest diamonds were five kids that nobody's talking about. They're nice. just they're flying super under the radar. 
and that's um, a kid by the name of Prince Robinson from Tarleton State. He's a cornerback. Uh, he's a six-one kid. Uh, he's fast. He's really fast. He's probably a four-four forty guy. He can jump through the roof, but he is insane returner too. He can he can return the ball. He can. Um, I think he had multiple 100-yard returns this year. Um, he, a lot of interceptions. He's always around the ball. The kid's talented. Um, he's my he's one of the kids. Another one's named Jonas Griffith. Jonas Griffith is a um, is a kid that I really I fell in love with his his junior year. Just watching him on film, he takes the correct angles. He does things that other teams, the other linebackers aren't doing. Um, he reminds me a lot of Darius Leonard, but he has the size already. Darius Leonard didn't have the size leaving. Um, this kid has everything already at the point. Um, super underrated. He plays at Indiana State University, and he didn't have an all-star game. He didn't even have an invite to anything, and he's just kind of doing his thing. We invited him to the College Gridiron Showcase, and he blew up. I mean, NFL teams were all over him, looking at him. They fell in love, too, and I think he's a kid that, that a lot of people are sleeping on. Uh, there's a wide receiver from SEMO, uh, which is southeast Missouri. Oh. Uh, his name's Christian Christian Wilkerson. He's a very small school kid. Um, nobody really knows about him. But everyone's talking about Jeremy Chin from southern Illinois. And um, this kid scorched southern Illinois, the secondary. He scorched them the entire game. Um, he is one of the probably the most talented wideouts I've seen. He's had six FaceTime calls already with the NFL, and um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up getting drafted, uh, just because because of his talent and his speed and his abilities. He's ripped up. He looks like he's something that you would um, draw a picture of. Um, he has muscles everywhere coming out of his body, and he's just a freak of a player and a great kid. That's so. Th- that's cool. Uh, them are my them. I'll give you them three, and then the, that way, if they want to look at the other two, they're online. They can. You'll see my diamonds in the rough article on Draft Diamonds. I love it. DraftDiamonds.com. Well, all right. So you've been doing this uh, about seven years with the website, and and so when you look back, who are some of your maybe favorite diamonds that that you kind of discovered and 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 knew before they became NFL guys, even potentially stars? Tyrell Williams, the wide receiver from. Las Vegas. Well, now it's Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Tyrell was a he was a six three wide receiver out of Western Oregon. Um, just small school kid. Just nobody really nobody knew who he was or knew about him. I got a I got a phone call one day and the the coach said, Hey man, I'm gonna send you our film. Can you look at our film? And it's so hard to get film from colleges and and teams and. I, you know, I just reached out and I said, man, is there any way that I can get film on this kid? And they said, yeah, 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 man. So I got film and I looked at him and this kid was jumping out the gym. I mean, he was fast. He was running in the four fours. He looked so talented. And I said, oh, my, I need to start pumping this kid. So I just started pumping him and nobody still talked about him. He couldn't even find an agent. Nobody wanted the kid. I mean, we oh. called agents for him to try to help him out. And he ended up finding an agent and... Look at him now. He just got a huge contract. He's doing his thing. He's, you know, he's a great football player. Good kid. Um, another one was Marcus Sales. Marcus Sales came out of West West Georgia. Um, he was a Division two corner. He started 41 of 42 games. He had 13 block kicks or extra points, and and that's something that that I love. Um, special teams is where I shine. If you have mm. a special teams resume like that then i fall in love with you and i fell in love with him and he nobody knew him nobody wanted him we ended up finding an agent for him too he he made the buffalo bills roster on the first year 
Um, ended up getting released. Ended up having to go to CFL. He goes to the CFL. He shines up there. His team wins a championship, and then he comes back, and he just got signed by the Minnesota Vikings. So there's many kids that we've done. There's hundreds of them. I've helped Josh Norman, Carson Wentz, Joe Flacco. I've helped a lot of guys, whether they were small school kids or whether they're big school kids. There's big school kids that we've helped out too from Texas Tech and Oregon and different places. We try to help everybody. We don't we don't limit it. Just because you're at a big school doesn't mean you're getting the notoriety or the love either. So if you're a kid that we feel can play, mm. we're going to do everything we can. We will allow anybody to be on our website. It's not just a, a small school site. We we want everybody to be able to get an opportunity and use the platform. That's great. No, I love that. And because I was even thinking earlier when I said I went to a small school when I was there, App State was a Division One Double A. Now yeah. a top 25 team this past year. Uh, so how do you then, uh, a team like that who takes the big jump, uh, now they're, you know some of those players are getting a little bit more recognized. Uh, does that change your approach at all? Or, or I guess to your point that you were just saying, even some of the, the bigger schools have guys that are still going unnoticed. And that's, that's what I'm talking about, guys that are at like App State. You, know, you, you have to really shine and get that opportunity to be on that front line. Like Akeem Davis, Gaither, you know, yeah, like yeah. guys like him, he's a baller. And he'll end up getting an opportunity, you know. He'll probably be in the mid-rounds. But the thing is, there's other players on the team, like Darrington Evans, who's a good player. Yeah. He might he might not get the same look that Akeem gets. You know what I'm saying? Um, maybe it's just because I, I don't know. I don't understand why. But D1 players, the way that it works, it's real crazy, is – the top power five, they get all the love. Everybody else is kind of like should be considered a small school because the MAC, no one talks about the MAC. You know, the, the Buffaloes and the Ohios of the world and the Bowling Greens, nobody's talking about them. Mm. So they're, you might as well consider them a small schooler, you yeah. know. And then you got Conference USA. Who's talking about Conference USA? You know, so I mean, you got you have schools that are that are moving up, like Liberty moved up, and their their wide receivers getting a lot of looks, but no one's talking about their quarterback. Mm. Their quarterback was a stud. His name was Buckshot Calvert. Nobody's talking about that kid. See, they only focused on the one player that everyone was already talking about, but the other kids are falling under the radar. And that's why you guys are there. I love it. That's it. <laughs> NFLDraftDiamonds.com uh, is the website, and uh, he's Damon Talbot. And, man, I know you love talking draft. You love talking football, and, and I do as well. But but your faith is also important to you and, and, and just appreciate your willingness to uh, kind of lead with that or, or make, make that known even as you, you put content out there. And, and so would love to hear just about your faith journey and, and really you know, just a, about your love for Jesus and, and ultimately how has he changed your life? Whew, that's, that's the best subject ever. <laughs> well, I can tell you this. You know, growing up as a child, I did not know Jesus. Mm. Uh, I went 17 years of my life and never once considered him God, never once um, really even looked at him, um, didn't have a, didn't have the love. I didn't, have, I, I didn't even acknowledge him. Jesus wasn't somebody that I had to focus on or that I focused on. I was focused on myself. I was focused on making it in the NFL. I wanted to be an NFL player. I was a big kicker. I had a lot of talent. Um, I had colleges that were interested in me. My love for football took over my love for everything, mm. and um, I became a selfish, greedy, incompetent kid, to be honest with you, in the nicest way, and I never focused on God. I would tell, I felt like I didn't know God. Um, my family didn't push God on me. My family didn't really know God, and my dad, my mom and dad, my mom and dad were both in Vietnam. 
mm. in the war and um you know losing people people tend to turn away from god you know when when you're in a rut people don't turn to god it seems like they turn away from him or they blame him when things are going wrong especially if you don't know him and that that became a big thing in my family um that he that he was blamed for a lot of things that he didn't have no role in but you know we didn't know that i didn't know that and in 1999 i broke my back and um i got injured really badly and um i i herniated the disc l3 l4 l5 s1 on my lower lumbar and I, I couldn't walk. I was in a wheelchair, and I spent a lot of time in that wheelchair. Mm. And many people didn't think I was going to walk or recover. And after 20 months, you know, I went, I met a girl, and she took me to church. And she said, you know, you need to start going to church. I thought she was crazy. <laughs> uh, I went to church, though, and in the middle of church, this lady stands up in the church, starts speaking in tongues, and I had no clue what tongues was. I, I honestly thought she was gibbering, jibber-jabbing. I didn't know what it was. I'd, I'd never experienced anything like it. I even looked at the girl with me, and I said, this is crazy, man. This is crazy that you come to a place like this, and this is what they do, and they were running around and dancing, and the lady told me, man, you're going to be healed, but you got to believe in Jesus. Wow. And at that point, you know, we were looking at surgery and everything, and, you know, my my mom and dad were like, well, what do you have to lose? So we... Basically, we took the opportunity to, I'm going to try this whole Jesus thing. I don't know how it works, but I'm going to try it. I'm not going to accept him. I'm just going to try it and just be faithful to him and just say, hey, look, you know, I'm going to do what he says. And 19 months later, man, I was a new man, man. I was, my my, my leg was healed. My back was healed. Like, I couldn't feel my legs. Um, and I, all that all that pain went away. My back, I never needed surgery. I accepted Jesus. I won a lawsuit. I gave my tithes. First time I ever tithed. I married the girl that took me to church. Uh-huh. And I'm in church. I'm in church now. I mean, I, I now, right now, I have a ministry in the prison where I go into the prison where, you know, I'm trying to pull people from the pit of hell. That's where I'm, when I'm behind the pulpit, I'm behind the pulpit for pulling people from the pit. That's what I'm trying to do. And, and at the end of the day, I want to tell everybody about Jesus and what he's done for me. And you know, for many years, I didn't put Jesus first, and now it's my time to finally, I can put him first, and I don't care if people get upset because they don't have Jesus, or I don't care if they get upset when I talk about him. Let me tell you something. There were many people that talked about him and were shunned. There are many people that talk about him right now that are killed, and we have the free openness to talk about him, and I'm going to talk about him, <laughs> and I'm going to tell, tell him how great he is, and I'm going to tell him how worthy he is, and that if you give him a little bit of faith, and you put a little bit into him, he's going to put a lot back into you because he wants to see you succeed. And at the end of the day, you know, I try to tell everybody about my faith. I love Jesus mm-hmm. and what he's done for me, and I'm passionate about him, and my company is based around him. I put out little motivational things and Bible scriptures, and, you know, I listen, we're all in it, you know. And my favorite scripture in the world is First Corinthians 9.24. You know, we're all in a race. Mm-hmm. We're all in a race, but I'm trying to win the race. At the end of the day, I mean, you you can you can do it, or you can do it to win. And I'm in I'm in it to win. You can be competitive. You can be competitive and be a Christian. I'm competitive. I want to be a Christian, and I want to do both. And as long as I keep him as my primary focus, he's going to help me win. Amen. What what an awesome story, man! I, it's just so cool to to hear how just God grabbed your heart, He healed you, and and has given you this this excitement and passion uh, for Him. And and I want to go back to just kind of one part of your story that I, that I think is interesting. Because you you took some initial kind of steps of faith, but you didn't necessarily uh, maybe receive his his grace or forgiveness right away. You you, you took you kind of 
started to follow him in, in certain ways. So kind of take me into what that looked like, and then ultimately at what point did you say, all right, Lord, I, I receive who you are and, and you know, kind of come into my life. What, what was that kind of process like for you? Well, for me, it was when it all, it all started when the lady told me, you know, you can walk again. If you put faith in God, you can walk. And I said, well, I don't know about all that, but, you know, I mean, what do I have to lose? The only options I have right now are six doctors telling me I need surgery. Mm. So what are my options? My options are surgery or try this guy that may be, may be real, may not be real. What mm. are my options? Knife, anesthetic, surgery, or God? So I said, all right, well, what do I have to lose? I mean, in 19 months or 15 months or one month or whatever it is, I can always go back and have surgery. That's always there. Mm. But this, this, if this works, and this guy really healed people from the deaf and the mute and, and if this guy is really that capable of doing that then how, well he could heal my back mm. if it was real mm. so so okay so what do i have to lose i don't really have nothing to lose i had everything to gain mm. and when you're in that situation it's hard to look at him and and, and follow him it's hard it's it, it's extremely hard to accept his challenge i'll say it like that it's hard to accept his challenge because if you don't know him it's hard to believe in things that you can't see mm. and i understand how people can feel like that you believe in air, and we breathe it every day, <laughs> That's right. right? I mean, yeah. you got you, It's there somewhere. You don't see it, but you know it's there. And at the end of the day, you know, I, I had to put my faith in them, and I said, yeah, all right, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. And I didn't know, man. I didn't open the Bible. Hmm. Just because, Listen, just because I, I said I would give them a shot, I didn't do anything that, would, that an average Christian, that, that a Christian is supposed to do. I didn't do that. I didn't open up the Bible. I didn't really give them nothing. And he still showed grace on me. Hmm. I'm like that guy at the well for 38 years. Yeah, That's me. Hmm. That was me. He, he's still trying to show me grace, yet I wasn't trying to be appreciative of anything that he was trying to do for me. And it took me, him healing me, to where I said, wow, you know, maybe... Maybe I do need to give him everything. Mm. And then it was, he showed his work. Yeah. And and it's not going to be like that for everybody. It's not going to be a show me. But I can tell you one thing, he wants to hear from you. Mm. How many people talk to him? How many people right now through this pandemic are actually praying to him? You know, I, I, the, I'll hold you accountable. I believe in that. If If you put on Facebook that you're praying for me, I expect you to put the prayer for me on Facebook. Don't don't tell me you're praying for me and fall asleep and not pray for me. Hmm. If I'm asking for prayers, I need to pray right then. And that's what we need to do. We need to, we need to pray for people right then and there. And, and at the end of the day, let me tell you something, brother. Jesus is real. Amen. And, and his love has been fantastic to me and my family. I have never, I mean, every single thing that I've ever went through that was like, wow, how am I going to get through it? He's got me through. I love it. It's just, it's it's phenomenal. I, I made a huge mistake. I missed 17 years of them. Ah, I hear you, man. I'm glad. I'm glad I got them now. That's right. And it, and it started with that, that initial, even though maybe you didn't realize it was a step of faith, it was a step of faith. And, and he, he showed his faithfulness and goodness to you and his power and uh, his miraculous supernatural power in, in healing you, which is cool. And it, like you say, it doesn't always happen that way. Everybody's got a kind of a, a different story, and he reveals himself in different ways. But ultimately, when we seek him, we will find him. And and and, and when our uh, yeah our heart is is pursuing after him, he'll uh, he'll he'll reveal himself to us because he wants us to know him. And so uh, so that's what that's that's awesome, man. What an encouragement. And and also you've you you mentioned how you developed your writing skills over the years, and and of course have been writing articles for your website. But you, you recently 
put out a book. You authored a, a faith-based novel called Prevailed uh, that's now available on Amazon and Kindle. So, so tell me about this book and, and how it came about. Man, um, I actually wrote this book about three years ago. I was sitting in a housing unit, and um, an inmate had just been told that his that his family member had died, and I was trying to tell him about faith, and here I am sitting there, and I said, wow, you know, what a horrible incident, you know, and I just started telling him, you know, I always, I, ever since I was a young kid, I had the ability to tell a story. Mm. I don't know why, I guess I have that ability. It was something that I was blessed with. I just didn't know where the blessing came from. Me and the inmate talked about it, and we went through it. And then about two weeks later, my father got sick, and my father ended up going to the hospital. And my mom called me and said, hey, look, it don't look good. You know, start preparing a flight. You know, you want to do this. Well, when I was a little kid, all I focused on was football and myself. And my father was this huge literary kid. He loved literature. He loved to write poems and do these fantastic things with books and read. I didn't read. I didn't do none of that fun stuff. I, that was not fun to me, so I didn't do it. Well, my father was like huge. I'm named Damon after Damon Runyon, a poet or a, a, a author. I didn't know this. This is stuff that you know you find out. My father used to always say, "You're using the talent in the wrong way. Mm. If you would have just been a writer, an author, I'm telling you, you have talent." So I sat there and thought about it. And I said, "You know, I'm gonna write a book." And I'm going to write a book, and I'm going to use a character from good old North Carolina. <laughs> I love it. And, uh, and I'm going to use a character, and I'm just going to make up a story. And I, and I did, and it's a fiction novel, but it's faith-based. It's about a man who didn't believe in God. Get that, huh? Mm. And um, his name is James Carmichael, and he goes through a roller, roller coaster ride of events. Um, but the thing is, he doesn't believe in God, but he comes to he comes to God, and he accepts him. And when he does accept him, God starts working in his life. And not only does he start working, fantastic things start happening for him. He becomes a megachurch pastor just because of his faith and his grace and what he's capable of doing, his just going out there and spreading the gospel. He's growing, and he grows in the church. And he doesn't just grow. He expands to new horizons to where he has to start renting places, bigger facilities, because he can't hold them in his church. Hmm. And he starts making millions and millions of dollars off of the industry. But just like many people, he takes his eyes off of God when he gets money. Mm. And when he takes his eyes off of God, his world crumbles. And he starts going through a lot of things in his life that are rough. That when you do see, there's two paths in life, Bryce. There's there's the path with God, and then there's the path without God. When you don't have God and something happens, it feels like the world's crumbling. When you have God, you can see the other side because you know what he's capable of getting you through. Mm. And in this situation, he can't see the other side because he's too focused on what he should have been. He, he's too focused on the activities of life. He doesn't want to get caught up in doing the things that he's doing, but he, because he's covering it up with lie after lie after lie, his life is no longer on God's path. So just like in real life, when one thing happens, two things happen, three things happen. He goes through a roller coaster ride of events, ends up in a prison, and um, the story is about prevailing. Wow. And the the beginning of the story takes place in Charlotte, North Carolina, at the Bank of America Stadium. Oh yeah. And um, I, I encourage all your listeners to to at least, hey, look, give it a shot, download it. If you don't like it, that's fine. You can write about it. You can tell me that it's horrible, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> But I'm getting the word out there, and that's what God wanted me to do. Ah, 
That's, and, that's um, neat. That's, that's what I'm there for. So if I encourage, I didn't think one person would buy it. I really didn't. I said, well, my dad will buy it because he's still alive. So I said, well, my dad will buy it. My dad bought 10. Uh, so that was my first 10 sales. There you go. And um, so I had 10. I know I sold 10. But uh, I've sold about 60-some copies, man, and it's pretty cool. You know, everybody that reads it is inspired by it. They, You know, I've gotten some feedback from it, and it's just – it's cool, man. It's fun. I've talked to a couple of movie producers about it. Um, I don't think I don't think it's something that I want to make into a movie. Maybe down the road, maybe we'll do something with the NFL and Faith, but um, not something that I'm really interested in right now, but it's something that I, I want to get that book out there more because I know – God has a message. And just like me, James prevailed in the book. And just like anything you go through, no matter if you're with him or without him, when you get back on that path, everything clears up. Man, no, the book is called Prevailed. It's a, a faith-based novel. And, yeah, I kind of like that that approach to uh, you know taking a fiction story that people can you know feel and, and get into the story and the character and ultimately, the the message of the gospel is is throughout, and so uh, so so that that's really neat that that, that you put pen to paper, and and uh, ultimately God allowed that to to come together for you and inspired you to do that. So, uh, congratulations on on completing that, which is a, a big deal, and uh, just thankful that you were uh, willing to come on the show today, and especially with the uh, the draft coming up in a couple of weeks, and and just encourage our our listeners to check out NFLDraftDiamonds.com to read all the, uh, the content that, that Damon and his team uh, have available for us. And, and Damon, man, enjoy the next couple of weeks and enjoy the draft, and uh, let's, let's stay in touch and, and appreciate you being a part of things today. Hey, anytime, man. And if you ever uh, – if I run into some Christian brothers, some players that, that want to come on, man, I'll hook them up. I'll make sure I get you in contact with them and uh, give your listeners some, some feedback for some guys that have had some uh, amazing stories. I'm big into the faith, and I love it. I actually wanted to do a podcast one time, and I don't know what happened. I just said I get too busy caught up, but it definitely would be cool to hear just stories of people that are going through things with the sports world. And I found your guys' um, site to be so inspiring, listening to some of the guys talk, the athletes. So I have some athletes that would be great for your for your podcast or your um, site, and I think you'd be impressed with them. So we'll be in contact, and I'll, I'll shoot you some names and some contacts to get them on there. Awesome, awesome. Well, that sounds great. Really appreciate it. He's Damon Talbot joining us right here on Unpacking It. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. So there's Damon Talbot. Man, good stuff. And appreciate his willingness to come on the show and and to even support Unpacking It, promoting it, and and that kind of thing as well. So I appreciate his, his kind words uh, here on the show, and I just I, I love hearing stories like his where Jesus wasn't on his radar, and all of a sudden someone introduces him to just kind of the possibility of, of church, and, and ultimately he discovers who Jesus is, and, and Jesus reveals himself to Damon, and you know, th- there are different types of churches and different ways to worship and and it's just cool to to hear Damon's journey and and how he just started taking some steps. And I think 
for, for many of us, it's just taking that first step. And, and we look back at maybe our own journey or maybe you're kind of at the beginning of your, your journey and you, you tune in to unpacking it because you, you like the conversations, or you like the interviews, but maybe you haven't committed your life to Christ just yet. But, but you've taken the steps to at least explore, to seek the Lord, to say, okay, Lord, all right, God, reveal yourself. Show me that you're real. Show me that what people talk about is, is real. And, and I think, I know, when you seek him, when you begin to ask those questions, when you begin to take even small steps toward uh, maybe reading a little bit of the Bible or, or going to, to, to a church service or going to some kind of event where the, the word of God is, is spoken and preached and, and it's even taking the step of listening to a, a faith-based podcast, God begins to work on your heart. And, and he'll do it. He's powerful, and, and he begins working on, on us. And, and so we just have to be open to it and, and, and allow him to do what he does. And so Damon took those steps. It was a process, and now he's hungry. He's on fire. He's passionate. He wants others to know Jesus, and, and it's a, a, a contagious type of, of thing. When you, when you start listening to guys like Damon, uh, it's, it's neat to hear. So uh, appreciate his heart for God and his willingness to write that book as well. Uh, it's called Prevailed and and great stuff on NFLDraftDiamonds.com. We'd love to know your thoughts. You can send me an email, Bryce at UnpackingIt.com. As always, I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sins. He was resurrected, and through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Enjoy celebrating Easter on Easter Sunday, but the truth of Easter, we celebrate every day and every time here on this podcast. It's Unpacking It. I'm Bryce. Have a great one. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T dot com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week. 